0: Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. It's been like five weeks, uh, but I'm glad to be back and doing what God's called me to do. Before we start, I just want to say thank you to my son, Peter. He's done a great job, I've been listening to him every week, and you uh, have <laughs> been preaching a good word, and if you didn't get to see it or hear it, uh, you can always go back to it, get it on the podcast, listen to it as you're riding to work in the morning, or, or doing the dishes, or doing anything, and, and if you don't have any yard work or anything that needs to be done at your house, you can come to mine, I'll find you some, you can listen to it out there. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for, for bringing the word of the Lord to us. And for all the helpers, too. We had many helpers that came down over the last several weeks, and especially when I was out of pocket and couldn't be out there to do it, and uh, came and they cut grass and uh, raked gravel, did all different kind of things, whatever needed to be done around to help get things ready, because school starts in two days. And uh, we can take your prayers for that. Amen? <laughs> well, let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you is thankful... That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say that with me. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God doesn't change. And You know, if you listen to much politics or TV commentaries or the public or anybody else, they would give the impression that we need a new God. That we need a new Bible because our Bible's not up to date with what's going on in this world. Huh? Oh, don't get me started. I've jumped in ahead of myself here. But that's what's in my heart. Because you hear what people are saying. You see what people are doing, even in the church house. And you begin to wonder, is our Bible not the same? Is it not God's word? Thank you, sir. Is it not the same yesterday, today, and forever? And I began to meditate over the last, well, it's been several uh, weeks, things about God's Word. As I was laying up on the bed, one of the things that I thought about was the fact that all the things that's transpired since in my life, since I gave 100% of my life to the Lord back in November 27th, the Tuesday night, 1979, and I began to think about those things that happened in my life and uh, that God did in, in, in Marcia and I and, and on our behalf over the years. How many of you know 79, that's another millennium ago, that's 40-something years ago, and God has done much in our lives in these past 40 years, and I began to meditate upon it, and I, I told Marcia, I said, you know, honey, I said, there's been so many things that he has done, he's been so faithful to us. I'm going to have to, I'm just going to have to write it down. I said, I don't want my children or my grandchildren to ever forget Paul's God. It's not somebody else's God. This is not, well, this happened to Abraham or Moses or, or David or something. No, this happened to Paul. This is Paul's God. And the reason I want them to know that this is Papa's God, because if they can grab a hold of the fact this is Papa's God, not somebody way back then, then they can realize that it can be their God as well. We read in the scriptures where Abraham, he served God, he walked with God, he was the friend of God. We see where Isaac walked and followed in after his steps, and he became his God, and when Jacob was running for his life from Esau, his twin brother who threatened to kill him, he laid down one night there, and he He had a a dream of angels ascending and descending up and down the ladder. And the Lord stood at the top and he spoke to him and says, he said, this land I'm going to give you, you're going to go back home, I'm going to take care of you, and you're going to go back home again. Because I'm sure he was doubting and wondering, what have I done? You see, back home, Jacob was a multimillionaire, had servants that had servants and servants that had servants. And he had all kind of cattle and industry and everything else going on. And now everything he has is in a knapsack running for his life. (coughs) Excuse me. And he looked up and he said, Lord, if you will feed me and give me water to drink, clothe me and allow me to come back home again in peace. You'll be my God, and I'll give you 10% of everything I get. Well, whose God was he then, if not Jacob's? It was his grandpa Abraham's God. It was Isaac's God, but apparently he might have went to Sunday school. We could say that. they. He saw them offering up offerings. He saw them, all the different things. He saw them fellowship with God, but it, it wasn't his God. It was daddy's God and papa's God. Are you hearing me? But that day, he said, if you're going to do all this, now it's between me and you. You'll be my God. And how many of you realize that Jacob wasn't 20 years old? I mean, he's like 60 years old. You'll be my God. And I want my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren to know the God is as live and real today as it was for Abraham, as it was for Isaac, as it was for Jacob, as it was for Joseph and Moses and David and on through the scriptures there. He's just as much alive today in our God as any other time in history. God is a generational God. And if you read Genesis, it's quite obvious you can see it that it went from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. He's showing I'm a generational God to all generations, which is us. And to those that's after us. And we need to grab hold of this, that we don't need another Bible for another time. His word has never changed. He has never changed. He's still as righteous as he's always been. All-powerful as he's always been. The healer as he's always been. The provider like he's always been. The defender like he's always been. Your high tower like he's always been. He hasn't changed. Maybe what's changed is our attitude towards our God. Now, how did that happen? You know, my Bible says, Jesus told us, he said, my sheep know my voice. And they'll follow after not a stranger, right? Did he not say that? He said, they're not going to follow a stranger. Now, my dog, he knows my voice. He knows probably more about me than I even think that he even knows. But he knows my voice. I didn't say, now, boy, you're going to have to learn my voice. I don't want you out here running after everybody else. I didn't have to teach him that. You know why? Because I'm his master. I'm his master, and he desires to know my voice. And I know you. You're just like me. I have a master, and it's the Lord Almighty. And I desire to know his voice. But you know what? My dog didn't just lay around somewhere. All those years, and just won't buy this dog bucket, you know, where he gets fed and, and all, and, and don't care nothing about me. And he, he's not going to learn my voice that way. He learns my voice by being in my presence, by coming to me. Matter of fact, not only does he know my voice, he knows Peter's voice, Marsha's voice, he knows the grandkids' voice, and he knows a lot of your voices. But he even goes one step farther than that. My dog. Because he loves me, knows the sound of my engine on my truck. And when I'm a block away in the house, he hears the hum of that engine, and he gets up and he goes over by the door and starts walking around. Marsha looks over and says, is Papa home? He's already aware I'm almost home. He has trained himself and tuned himself into hear and to know. And when I get there, the garage door comes up, and he's right there at the door wagging, waiting to see me. I walk right in just like I always do, straight back in the back, take my keys out and all the stuff. That. He's right there grabbing my hand as I'm walking down through, through there with his mouth, just grabbing it, petting him all the way. I said, just a minute, buddy, all right, just a minute. Get my stuff down, and then I... I mess with him a little bit. And he follows me around, which I should have named him Shadow. Why? Because I'm his master. If I lay on the couch, he lays by me. If I go get in the, the, the truck, now we're talking 125-pound German shepherd. He will cry like a baby because he wants to go with me. Marsha says, I can't believe this. Howling. Oh, wanting to go. Just wants to be in my presence. And it's almost embarrassing that we, God's children, don't want to do him the same way. Is it not? Wasn't planning on going that kind of way, but that's where we are. But what's gotten me over the past five weeks is the fact that our God has been faithful to us. Even when we've missed it, even when we've been slack, even when when we don't know what in the world is going on and we've given ear to another voice like the media who says, where's your God now? Or coronavirus is going to kill the whole planet. The economy is going to collapse. Political systems are falling apart. Another nation is going to take over. All the stuff they've been telling us, we've been giving ear to when we should have been giving ear to, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Even my dog doesn't listen to that mess on TV. He's listening for my voice. But yet we've given ear to some things. And as long as we keep giving ear to other stuff, other voices, we're going to start listening to those voices. And we'll start listening to their opinions and we'll be having to decide whether we're going to believe what they say or we're going to listen to what God said. And if you keep listening to what they say more than what God says, it won't take long. You'll be quoting what they say instead of what God says. Now the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks to what they're saying must be in abundance in your heart. And so I want my children my grandchildren, and you as a congregation to know my God. Not about him, but to know him. I don't want it to be, well, that's pastor, you know. No, no, no. You, I want it to be, that's your God. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10. Bill thought he was going to steal my verse, but he didn't. In verse 32, can we put that up there? Hebrews 10:32. You may have it in Amplified. I I read it, and I was almost put it up in Amplified, in NIV, and I said, no, I'm going to stick with the King James on this because I learned it this way. He said here, but call to the remembrance, right? Call to remembrance the former days, the former days, in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. Call to remembrance the former days. How many of you have some former days? I've got a lot of former days. I'll be 67 in a month. I've got some former days. Now, I want you to know something. Some of those former days were tough days. But you know what? During those tough days, my God was still God. And he proved himself and walked me through some things during those tough days. That's why I said, call to remembrance the former days when after you were illuminated by the word of God, enlightened by God's word, you endured a great fight of affliction. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said that Satan comes immediately to steal the word that was sown in your heart. He don't waste any time. Here it is, you get illuminated with the word of God. You start standing on God's word, and what? You suffer a great fight of affliction right away. What was he there for? To take your money, take your health? No, to take the word out of your heart. Take the word from you so you won't be able to get to your children. You won't have a testimony for your children or your grandchildren. Papa, well, God never healed Papa. God never helped him. No. See, to me, I want this to be a lot in my children and my children's children. I want them to know that God is real. So in order for it to be real, 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 it needs to be real, real in my life. So that it can be a testimony for their life. Don't shout me down. So as I'm laying up, and I told Marcia, I said, I'm going to write these things down. And I said, when we get together for, like, birthdays and things, I said, before we have dinner, we're going to sit down and we're going to go over some of these miracles that's taking place in Papa and Mimi's life. I want them to know it. Now, I didn't even really think about the fact that that's scriptural. But it says... In Psalms 105, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing praises to him. Talk, to all of, uh, talk of all of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the, the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he hath done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, your children of Jacob, his chosen ones. That's us. He said, shout it from the rooftops. Remind people what God's done in your life. How come what we're hearing mostly is what the devil's doing in our life? What Corona is doing in your life? What the government's doing in your life? How they're taking your freedoms? Why is it that that's what we're hearing? when what we ought to be hearing is what is God doing in your life? And he says it and reminds us right here to remember and tell people. And here we read it right here. But call to remembrance the former days. After you were enlightened or illuminated, you suffered a great fight of affliction. Yeah, there's a fight. But I would rather know that Jesus is my healer if I'm going to have a fight for my health than to hear somebody say, well, you know, I just don't know about that stuff. I think miracles are done away with. You know what? I don't even want to talk to those people. I don't want to be around those people. I want to be around my father who says that he's my healer. Then he goes on and he says that we suffered this great fight of affliction, partly so whilst we were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, partly while we, we were became companions of them that were so used. How many of you know that who you associate with, some of those people, you love them. You know they're believers, you know things, and, and, and guess what? People will laugh at you or mock you because of it. Oh, well, they, they're one of those types. Let me tell you something. Your pastor is baptized in the Holy Ghost, just in case you didn't know. I pray in tongues. I sing in tongues, probably more than you ever could imagine. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost dwelling in me. It's not a little signal I can put on my lapel. It's not a a T-shirt that I can wear. It's who I am. He lives in me. He's not just a little light that shines out of me. He's God Almighty. He is light. And He dwells in me. He dwells in you. The only reason there will be a little light is because you won't let Him out. God didn't just give us a little dab of do you? Remember that commercial? A little dippity-doo. He didn't just give us a little dab of Holy Ghost. You got all of it. Does the Bible tell us that the same resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you? Does your Bible say that? Mine does. Well, what are we doing with it? I mean, if it was powerful enough to raise Jesus out of the grave, out of hell, and it dwells in you, that same power, what are we doing with it, folks? Can we not at least believe it over all the other voices that's out there? Why wouldn't we believe it? It's because we're not listening. We're not seeking his face. We're not remembering the things that God's done in our life. Up until 1979, I didn't have anything in my mind that God ever did in my life. But you know, we all got to start somewhere, don't we? We do. We got to start, or it never will be. We'll always be talking about somebody else's God instead of your God. And he goes on here and he says, If you had compassion on me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing yourself that ye have heaven, a better and everlasting substance. In the King James, there it says, knowing in yourself that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Now, both of those words, in, are not really even in the scriptures. And if you read it with a knowing in yourself, it's kind of like, well, I just know it. That you have in heaven, in other words, another place, not with you, a better enduring substance. Take those out. Knowing yourself that you have heaven, a better and enduring substance. Well, now, right now. And if you read through any of the other translations, if he threw it up there, the words in wouldn't be there. They're not there. I don't care. You can read five, six different translations. They're all going to say, that's not the way it is. It's not going to be one day in a sweet by and by. It is right now. He said, cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. I'm watching multitudes of people casting away their confidence. Not confidence in themselves, confidence in their God. At one time, they stood strong. They believed God. They believed his word. They moved and acted upon his word. They don't even talk about it anymore. What What are they talking about? Everything's on TV. God says, don't cast away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God. How many realize that he said, hath done the will of God, not heard the will of God, not thought the will of God, not moved around with the will of God, but actually did the word of God, he said, you'll receive the promise. For yet a little while he shall come, who shall come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. Has anybody here accepted Jesus besides me? Whole place. You are the just. Say, I am the just. And it says there, you shall live by faith or in faith. You should live by faith. What do we have faith in? Is it God? Huh? We have faith in God, so we should live our life by God. the Bible teaches us that the Word of God is God, so we should live our life based upon the Word of God. Amen? Anything wrong with the Word of God? We've already established the fact that we don't need a different Word of God. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. What we need to do is know what does this Word say? The problem is it's not that you're not just, it's not that the word has changed. The problem is, is we don't know how to live according to God's word. Cuz we're giving ear to too much other stuff. God's not outdated. And it's amazing how when somebody needs a miracle they cry out to God now. But before that they may not cry out to God. Hey, well you know, I got medical science, I got this, I got that. No. You cry out to God first. You acknowledge him first in everything. And he goes on here and he says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But you're not of them that draw back into perdition or loss, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That's you, the believer. To the saving of the soul. We live what? By faith. Said the just shall live by faith, and then he goes on into well, what is faith? He said, "Now faith is the substance of things hoped for." I like that. They're not seen, for by it, the elders obtained a good report through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which were uh, seen are were not made by things which do appear. So he lets us know right off the bat that faith, faith. What do we have faith in? Faith in our God. I like to say it this way. Now, my trust is in the Lord, his character, his word, and all of his promises found in his word. That's where my faith at. It's not in what somebody else is saying. Even good people, it's not, in, it's not in them. There's a lot of good meaning people out there. I want to know what does God say. I'm not mad at those people. I'm not upset with those people. Those people are just where they are. Some of them are as lost as can be. Some of them are saved. But nevertheless, what I'm interested in is what did God say? That's where I'm going to put my faith. His word and all of his promises found in his word is a substance of my confidence. It is my confirmation of the things I hope for with joyful anticipation and expectation. For my trust is not founded upon my ability, but rather in his faithfulness. God's word is the evidence. It is the proof that the things in which his word has proclaimed and promised to those who believe and act upon, although not seen in the natural, will manifest itself in the natural. It's not that when, it's going to happen. The the, the thing is, is, it's going to happen, but I may not know when. But it's going to happen. Why? Because I'm not going to let go of it. Why? God doesn't want me to let go of it. He wants me to hang on. He wants me to see to it that his word will manifest here in this planet so that my children and my children's children will know God. It's not a fictional story about Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn to them. It is a God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Papa. Closer it gets to home, the more it means to them. They know your faults. They know your shortcomings. They also know that you seek after God. That you stand and you believe God. They may not. lip poked out saying well I wanted to go down here and you won't let me go da, da, da and all that it don't matter they have to stand back and say you know what but my daddy he knows God he knows God as we read continually here it says here it says by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying of His gifts, and by it, He being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for He cometh to God, but bel- for He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen. Is there things not yet seen in our country? Should you not be warned by a Holy Spirit, since that's his job, being in you, to reveal and to show you things to come? The only way it's going to happen if we give ear to it. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with reverence, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By which he con- condemned the world and, be- and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he was going. But he obeyed God, said, I'm, I'll go. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a, stra- as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs, With him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah. Herself received strength. To conceive. Seed. And was delivered of a child. When she was past age. Have you ever stopped to think. Yes Abraham. Was 75 years old. When he left her. No children. Sarah was 65. Along the way, she offered Hagar, her handmaiden, to Abraham, and Hagar had a child named Ishmael. Do you realize, I think it's after like six eight years of walking with God, she says, here, just take Hagar. She knew when Hagar became pregnant that it never was Abraham that could not have a child, it was her. She knew it was not the deadness of Abraham, but the deadness of her, her womb. She had to overcome that and say, you know what, I'm going to have. See, Abraham could believe for that son all day long, but Sarah had stepped up to the plate, too. That's why she's recorded here. And it says here. uh, Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of child when she was past age because she. Judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even one of, of him. And as good as so uh, many as the stars in the sky. And as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith. In faith. They died believers. They died walking according to the word. They died seeking after God. Not having received the promises. But having seen them far off. There's things that they knew. About our God. That we have yet to even enter into. Some of the things we have. They, they, they saw. I, I think it understood. That the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They saw it far off. But they weren't able to get it. And were persuaded of them. And embraced them. And confessed them. That they were just strangers. And pilgrims on this earth. For they that say such things. Declare plainly. That they seek a country. And truly. If they'd been mindful of the country from which they came out, they might have an opportunity to have returned. Did you hear that? If they'd been mindful of where they came from, they'd have had opportunity to go back. Every single day, all day long, you're being reminded of where you came from to give you an opportunity to leave where you are in God's presence and go there. And so you have to remind yourself, no, this is who I am, where I am. I'm not looking to go somewhere else. I'm looking to get closer to my God. (coughs) It's the beginning of this year. I stood right here at this pulpit. First Sunday in January, and I said, it's not over. Did I not? Did I say that America's not seen its last war? Did I not tell you that America's not seen its last economic problems? Did I say America's not seen its last riots in the street? And it's not seen its last pandemic. And where are we? Eight months later. Things looked like it was going to get better. And it did. It started moving a little different. I haven't changed what my God said. I mean, he said that. I know, and but the thing what he was saying to us is we have got to come to a place of where Elisha was when they were surrounded in Samaria, a place of peace, knowing that our God has our back. How is it that Isaac could just? I mean, uh, Elisha could just sit there. In the midst of all the stuff that was going on when they were down there eating mule head soup and people killing their own babies and eating their own children and and doing how could he how could he just be at rest? He knew his God. He was listening intently. God, just tell me what to do. One year earlier, he was surrounded, wasn't he? One year, one year earlier he was surrounded. And he says to the Lord, open his eyes, my servant's eyes, so he can see what. What's really there. And he looked and the whole mountainsides were covered with angels and chariots of fire. As Elisha sat there. Surrounded by the same Syrian army. In Samaria. He knew those angels and fiery chariots had really surrounded the Syrian army. They hadn't gone anywhere. They weren't running a a, a shortage in heaven. He had to call them back. They were here. At his disposal. He was listening. He might have said, Lord, should I just step out there and smite him with blindness like I did the last time? Is that what you want me to do? No, just wait. He wouldn't move by it. Why? He'd been there. Your testimony says you've been there. Your testimony tells the other, I was there and God was faithful. Be at peace. Just wait. We've already been in this mess for a while be at peace our god is bigger than this in 2007 i told you when the economy collapsed that we were going to go through a rough time as a country if i'm going to have to go through the wilderness through a desert i'm coming out better on the other end and you rallied you stood up and said i'm going to do the same thing and i can point out people here who bought houses got better jobs got raises and promotions during the whole time we didn't hurt We got better. Why would we want to settle for coronavirus, depression, riots, chaos, when we can walk in our God? What's the difference? What's the difference? It's what you give an ear to. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? That's what this is about. Where's your faith? Is it in God or is it in what the media is saying? If you're having a little trouble call to remembrance the former days when god was doing things in your life yeah call to those days remember how god bailed you out time and time and time again yeah by faith abraham when he was tried offered up isaac and he that received the promises offered up to his only begotten son of whom it was said that in isaac shall thy seed be called accounting that god was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence he also received him in a figure in other words he even saw when god said i want you to offer isaac he saw in a figure in his imagination isaac being offered up unto the lord he saw him carrying that wood up that mountainside laying it on that altar taking isaac binding isaac had him bound, lay him upon the altar, told him all of what was going to happen, cut his throat, drained his blood, set him on fire, burned him to a crisp, ashes fell down, and the Lord says, okay, it's done. All the ashes came back up, and he's back in his body. Why? Because he is the promised seed, not somebody else. Hello. Hello. Yeah, we have trouble believing that God can get us through a virus. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both his sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on his top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his life because they saw that he was of a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses when he was come of years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He looked to God. He didn't look. To Pharaoh. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch him. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, uh, Assyrian, uh, saying uh, to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I say more? For the time. Would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson, David, uh, Samuel, and of the prophets. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed violent in fight, turned to fight to flight the armies of the aliens. That's the stories that your children and your grandchildren are talk about their pawpaws and memes. My grandpa did this. My mama did this. That's what they ought to be able to hear. Not that we went and run and hid. Women received their dead, raised to life again. All of these things, all of these people did it, standing believing God's word. Are you hearing me? Well, you need to hear what I'm about to read to you now. And others tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover of bonds of and imprisonment. And they were stoned and they were sawed in half, were tempted and were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not even worthy. They wandered in deserts, and in mountains, and in dens, and in caves of the earth, and all and these all having obtained a good report through faith. If I'm going to be cut in half, let me be cut in half in faith. If I'm going to die of coronavirus, let me die believing. If I'm going to have to wander in some wilderness out there and do whatever, let it be in faith. So-and-so died, let them die in faith. You're going, you, there's a point to all of us a day, is there not? So whatever happens, at least do it in faith. Stand and believe in what God's Word said. That's what I want my grandchildren to say. My Pawpaw, he believed. He walked with God. He talked with God. He knew God. And I can too. That's what I want them to grab a hold of. And these all having obtained a good report through faith. Receive not the promise. God having provided something better for the thing for the us. That we without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore seeing we all so encompassed about by such great a cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy is set before him, endured the cross, despised and the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. We have a choice. Either we can get weary and faint in our minds, or we can call to remembrance the things that God has done in our life and what Jesus has done for us. Are you hearing me? Now, if you want to know a title, I can give you one. Why should I believe you? November 27th, 1979. Lord came in that room where I was at. We won't go over all of that, but from that day forward, I said, Lord, I believe you. You're going to be my God. I didn't know anything about the tither. I told him I would have gave him 10%. But I knew this. He'll be my God forever. And I laid my head in that bed that night and stuck it in the pillow, crying, just falling apart all night long. The next morning, I woke up and I turned. I told Ed, I said, I'm staying in Montgomery tonight. He said, okay. He said, I'm going to find a place to live up there. I'm not going to drive back and forth to Greenville every day. He said, well, I know some people down there. We can just stay down there. And we'll go get a, uh, look for a, a house or something. I said, okay. So I got up. I messed up still. My, a lot of stuff in my life. But I knew that night, because Marcia and I had separated back then. They were living in Michigan. They were praying for me. They were involved in church. And I was down here like an idiot. And I laid that bed that night, and I said, I'm going to do this. God had revealed to me, you can have your family back. You can have all this back. He showed me quite a bit that night. And so I said, tomorrow I'm going to stay, and I'm going to get, get, get right. Things are going to get in order. So I told Ed. I said, Ed, staying in there. He said, I, we'll go to these people's houses. I said, okay. Got there. After working all day, it was like 6 o'clock What time we got off and got away and got to Montgomery. I go in there, I take a shower, I got a newspaper. Now, we're talking no in, end of November, last week, November, like the 28th. It's dark outside at that time, and I'm sitting there, looking through there. Never, I didn't know my way around Montgomery, had no idea where to go, which way was north, south, east, or west. I had nothing, and I'm reading down through there to find a place to rent. And I'm looking, and I realize that it's, Eight o'clock at night, on a Wednesday night. Uh, where, where, am I going to find a place to go? Knock on a door and get a place to rent. And I just folded up the newspaper. Hopeless, trapped. God, how am I What am I going to do? I just told him, said, I, I'm, I'm going to. I went in there and got to bed, crying myself into the pillow, 25 years old. I said, Lord, what am I doing? this I have no, I, I, I've got no way to find a place. I've got no time to find a place. I don't know what to do. Time I get off it's too late. Nobody's going to let me in. I don't know my way around. I gave God 90 reasons why I can't do it. And I said, but Lord, I know that you can make a way. I woke up four o'clock in the morning to a major storm in Montgomery. Lightning popping, thunder, it was bad. And I thought, oh, I got to get up. I got to go out there and get in this stuff, get soaking wet, show up for two hours, and then they're going to send us home. They're going to send me home. I have all day to find a place. I jumped up. I was excited. Pumped up, went, got wet, changed my clothes. Went to the realtor's office here in Millbrook. Got there, and there were three other couples there looking for houses to rent as well. The lady says, I've got four houses to rent. And we made a caravan. All four of us followed around, saw all four houses. All four couples got all four houses, the ones they wanted. The marshal wasn't with me, but it was the one I wanted. Everybody got what they wanted. That day. So by 10 o'clock, I had a place. And I thought, go for it. I went to the water company, gave them a deposit. They came and turned the water on that day. Is that a miracle? I went to the power company and went in there, gave them a deposit. They came out and turned the power on that day. He said, well, I don't believe it. Why should I listen to you? Why should I believe you? Already happened. Already happened. Why should I listen to you? So then. That same week, I go up to Aniston. By the end of the week, I go up there. I load up my stuff. I, I'm packing it all up and everything. And I showed up with two Piggly weekly sacks full of dirty clothes. That was my suitcases. And. uh When I left, I had three, but one of them was filled with cassette tapes. That was pre some of the stuff y'all don't know, you know, you know, cassette tapes were before CDs, which were before jump drives, which were before Wi-Fi. Okay. (laughs) So here it is. I've got this cassette player in there with a sack, a piggly wiggly sack full of cassette tapes that of the word of God that was been sent to us for years that we never listened to. So we had the word of God in our house for years and never listened to it, not once. I got it playing now. I'm listening to it round the clock. That next week, I'm going up to Anniston to get my stuff. I'm riding down the road. I've been listening to the word all week long. And I'm like, okay. I came, I was on 14 back over here, on, right on the other side of the interstate. And Brother Copeland started losing his voice. He started, oh, yeah, yeah. I had no idea what was going on. He wasn't speaking in tongues. The battery was going dead. It was dark. There was no place to buy any batteries. Not from there all the way to Anniston. I had a two-hour ride. And I said, Lord, I got a two-hour ride. Now, I'm complaining. I didn't really under- I didn't know how to talk to God. I just talked to him like I him. I got a two-hour ride, gone. I mean, there's no place to get batteries. All, you know, can't you do anything about this? You know, like throw a Walmart or something up right in front of me or whatever, you know? I, I didn't know. I was just complaining. And inside I said, Won't well, you do what you've been listening to? So I looked, ain't nobody in my car but me. So I just opened up the cassette player, took the batteries out, those 4C batteries, held them in my hand. Batteries? In the name of Jesus, you'll work all the way there in Jesus' name. Stuck him in a little cassette player. He came right on up, started talking, going on, went all the way home, two hours. Now, if I was just somebody else, you know, I would thought, well, maybe the battery's just a little wobbly. No, they were worn down. And is not I'm an electrician, master electrician, contractor. I know something about electrical. Batteries don't do that. They did then. So while I just don't believe it, I don't really care what you believe. I didn't ask you what you believe. Don't care what you believe. Already did it. So I'm not interested in what you got to say. I'm interested in what did God do. He already did it. Lasted all the way there. Got there, turned around, heading on home. Coming. You know. Got everything loaded up in the U-Haul. It's Sunday. My dad's got—he's up there. We loaded the U-Haul, everything I owned, in his car. My sister was behind him; she was going to drive his car as he was driving to U-Haul, as I was driving my car. And I get in there, and I'm driving. It was Sunday, and I'm like, "This is good. Getting in there, we can get down there and get this unloaded." And da da da. And I'm like, "I don't even know where I live." That's pretty messed up, okay? I'm like, "Millbrook's not big as it is now. But you should have seen it back in '79." There was not nothing. But I didn't know where I lived. I had no idea. I figured, you know, if I get there in the daytime, I might can find it. It wasn't big. So I just drive around a while. You'll surely find it. That was my attitude. But uh, I was going to get there. It was going to be right at dark. And I'm like, I don't even know where I live. I'll find it. Then I realized I don't have my key. I don't know where the key is to my house. Don't even know where my key is. First thing I'm going to have to do is break the window out of the house in December. At the end of the no, you know, right there at December first, break the window out of my house in the winter time, before I can even unload the furniture. I'm like, <sighs> now I'm listening to the word all this time down here, and I've gotten from Anson to a good, you know, thirty minutes, and this all hit me, and I just turned him off. That's a gun. What do I do? I I I I'm in a fix. I don't have a key. Don't have, don't even know where the house is. And the Lord said, well, what, if, what does my word say? I'm to make my request known unto you. So I did. I said, Lord, I'd like to, when I get to Wetumpka, to be able to pick up the phone on a Sunday afternoon when businesses are never open back then on Sundays and call that realtor's office and that woman to be there, somebody there. That will have a key. They can tell me where I live and get me a key to this house. That's that's my request. Now, step two, what am I supposed to do? Uh, I asked the Father. I did that. I told him what I wanted. Step two. Oh, in Jesus' name. That's right. Use the name of In Jesus' name. Third thing. What else was there? Oh, yeah, I'm to praise him. And I lost it. Praise him. Well, I don't know how to praise God. I ain't never seen nobody praise God. I have no idea what that meant. I'm tears running out of my face. Well, I can't even get God to answer my prayers. I don't even know how to. I don't know how to praise Him. What do you do? And I'm freaking out. How do you praise God? Never seen nobody do it. And I remember hearing Brother Copeland on there saying. Ever so often he said, praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And I thought, well, maybe that's how you do it. Nobody's with me, so well, why not? And he did say that you're to do this until it manifests. And I thought, well, I will be there in 45 minutes, so I guess I'll do this for 45 minutes. So I didn't thank him once. I didn't say, praise God. I said, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Forty-five minutes. Nonstop. Why? I wanted what I wanted. I pulled up, coming down the little hill there, the National Guard Army over there. The phone booth was over there. That's a glass box with a phone on it. You put money in. Pulled over there. Got it out. Pulled that big old directory up there and flipping through it. Found the phone number, called it. Hello? Sudden such reality. I said, yeah, this is so-and-so. I remember who you are. Well, I, I, I got down here, and I, I don't know where my key is. She said, well, I'm just about two or three blocks away from there. My husband's two doors down. I'll swing over there and tell him you come, and he'll wait on you. I said, well, that's great. Thank you so much. Said, oh, and by the way, how did I get there? I don't even know where I'm at. So she gave me directions. So I got there. He handed me the key. I was able to unlock, get it right in there. Oh, well, that was just a coincidence. Not to me, it wasn't. Don't be telling me it's a coincidence. It already happened to me. Why should I believe your coincidence? It already happened. I needed to be off work the next week, go to Michigan, pick up Marcia and Heidi and bring them back. They said you can't be off but one day. And it was supposed to rain Thursday and Friday and I had an airline ticket for Friday and so if it rained us out Thursday and Friday I wouldn't have a job when I got back. Just the way it was. I said, Lord... You see the predicament I'm in. And he said, well, pray. So I did. I said, Lord, I, I can't have it rain Thursday. I was at work that day. It clouding up. It misted. It rained a little bit and it stopped. Missed it some more. Rained a little bit and it stopped. Missed some more. Rained a whole lot. And we got off work. They Said, okay, go home, but it was over with. Got on, went home, changed my clothes, went to the airport at 11 o'clock at night, got on a plane, flew to Detroit, got out of the plane, met Marcia and Heidi. Her sister was there, her husband, two children there, and they, we sat down and we ate breakfast, three o'clock in the morning, at the airport. He said, Oh, by the way, he said, uh, church wanted you to have this. What? Gave me a money. I looked at it, I mean hundreds of dollars back in the seventies, seventy nine. These people never met me. Never seen me. Knew nothing about me. What they did know about me wasn't good. Oh, a drug dealer and all that kind of stuff. But they believed in me. Believed in Marcia. Believed in. High. So I drove back that whole day. That night, left there right after we ate. Left, drove back, nonstop from Detroit to here. Fell into bed. Woke up the next morning, went to work, worked 12 hours, and came home. It rained them out Friday. I didn't miss any time. Oh, well, God, don't do that. Well, he already did. Don't tell me he can't. Why should I believe you? Already did it. hadn't been to church yet. This just... A few of the miracles took place in two weeks time. It's been about it was in about I went to church and. It was uh, in January of the of 80. So like for six weeks, things was happening in my life on a regular basis. Constantly. But I hadn't been to church. But I had been with Jesus. I had been with him. And I say all that not to say, well, you just don't have to come to church. I said all that to say this to you, that it matters who you're spending time with. Matter of fact, there was a lot of people when I started going to church, started telling me that I can't do what I've already done. God don't do that. Well, yes, he does. He already did. Made me a little ornery, especially when they said, well, when you get older and a little bit more mature in the things of God, you'll see. And I said, well, if it means being like you, i just soon not grow up. I was rough around the edges. I told the elder of the church that It means being like you. I just don't. Want, I don't want to grow up. I don't be like you. You doubt and unbelief. Why do I want to be like you? God's already done it. You won't tell me He can't. And it's been that way basically in my life for the last forty something years. I've had to put up and listen to people tell me I cannot do what God said I could. I choose to believe God. Who do you choose to believe? Isaiah 53 says, whose report, they won't re- whose report will they believe? I don't know about you, but I'm going to believe God's word. And you can come and you can say, well, you know, that, that's kind of outdated. We need a new Bible. You know, we didn't have coronavirus when that Bible was, was written. We didn't have Biden in office when that was written. We didn't have riots and all the other stuff. When it, We can just keep on making it up all you want. But he's still the same yesterday, today and forever. Went to that little church in there, and I'm sitting there one Wednesday night, and I'm hearing what they were saying. Been going for about two months. Went to work the next morning. Got flash burns in my eyes from welders. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but a lot of welders and machines going around us, and they was they was popping. It was everywhere, and I worked in the midst of that for 12 hours, and that night, I got home, went to bed, and I woke up at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I could not see my eyeballs were blistered; they had blisters on my eyeballs, and they were just messed up—just slits in my eyes. There, with water, couldn't see anything. And you know what I did? I did what the Bible said. Not having a clue, I just did it. It said there in James. Preacher preached it. Had to. Said said, if any man be sick among you, let him call upon the elders of the church. They will pray the prayer of faith, and they will be healed. Well, I believed it. (laughs) Can you imagine that? I believed it. I had been in church for just a few months. I really believed it. I called up the elder at 2 in the morning. I did, I had Marcia do it because I couldn't see the phone. And she explained to Jimmy why we were calling at 2 o'clock in the morning. He said, well, okay. I'm laying on that bed. My eyes just barely. Set the phone next to my ear, and he started praying. That's all I remember. Marsh reached over, picked the phone, Jimmy, he, he, he's asleep. He's already been healed. Thank you. About 30 seconds into it, hung up. I just figured he'd be excited. I mean, this is what God, God's people do, don't they? I never thought about waking up somebody at 2 in the morning, saying, would you pray for me? That's what we do, isn't it? As Christians, aren't we? Would it bother you if I called you, and asked you to pray? It don't won't bother me if you called me. And they laughed at the church, joked about, it, thought it was hilarious until they, and they said, "But it worked." But it worked. Can you imagine that? Don't tell me you can't call somebody at two in the morning. I already did. Why should I believe you? I already did it. Same with other things in my life. Dealing with monies and all kind of other stuff. All my life since I've been saved, I've chose to believe what I knew of God's word. Seek him diligently. Why? Because I want my grandchildren to know that God is real. He's not the God of just Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, but he's the God of their papa as well. Can I have some people here The desire for their children and their children's children to know that God is real in your life. We don't need another Bible. We got His Bible. We got the Word. It's the real deal. We don't need a substitute. We don't need another interpretation. We need to believe what He said and act on it. Be doers of it. And I got to stop. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, Delta variant gets you, and this happens to me, that one, or whatever new one they got coming now. They don't know nothing about. I can't even pronounce it. I don't even know what it is. Someplace out of Japan. <sighs> Already told you, you, said we're gonna have pandemics. It wasn't the only one. They're here. We got like, another one now. Well, we're gonna go through lockdowns. I don't know. Don't really care. I'm not going to be locked down. My God's not locked down. My God's not locked down. Is your God locked down? Then you're free. So what I'm saying is this, no matter what comes, be like these people of faith, this roll call of faith. If they cut you in half, let it be in faith. Let it be in faith. If you die of coronavirus, die believing. Why die doubting? Well, God, I knew you wasn't going to do it. Just say, oh, Lord, I'm on my way to see you. I know an old apostle of God that's going on to be with the Lord right now. But he was dying. His body was wore out. Just real bad. He was kind of irritable at times. And his wife told him, says, why don't you just go to bed, Nolan. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to just go in the kitchen. I'm going to get me a bowl of cereal and I'm going to eat. And now I'm going to go in there and lay down and just die. Can you imagine that? He went in there and got him some cereal, ate him a good dinner, a bowl of cereal, went in there and laid down. Next morning, he walks in the kitchen. She's at the table. He said, Well, it was a little harder than I thought. <laughs> a little harder than he thought. But he was ready we ready you know can i just be as honest as i can are we spirit beings are we you know what the bible teaches we're spirit beings we can't ever die you can't die you never will die you're going to live for eternity even in heaven or hell you can't die the body can go to the ground that's fine but you ain't going to die It's not going to happen. What we're really afraid of is not death. We're afraid of the unknown. We have got so comfortable with the familiarity of this world that we're afraid of the promises of God of heaven. We know that there's no sickness there. We know there's no disease, no corruption, no chaos, no anything out of order. We know it's perfect. Yet we're more familiar with this and comfortable with this that we don't want to let go of this to embrace that. We're fearful of death. No. You can't die. You're just moving from one place to another. Now I want you to know something about Papa. Okay? I'm just going to tell you. I know that once I get there I can never again raise the dead, pray for anybody in a coma, get them up out of bed. I can't pray for people with deaf ears and have them here again. I can't pray for people to to walk that never been walked. I can't pray for any sickness, uh, anybody sick, because there's nobody sick there. There's nobody dead there. I can't pray over restoration of families and all the other stuff that God's called us to do. I can't cast out devils there. There's none of them there. And either I do what God's called me to do and fulfill my assignment here. Because if I don't do it here, I'll never have the opportunity to do it. It's got to be now. It's got to be now. I'll never be able to come back and do it again. I don't want to spend eternity wondering what it could have been like. I want to do it. I want to do it. Do y'all want to do it? then it's got to make our minds up. We've got to start somewhere, which is now. Every head bow and eye closed, nobody looking around. I have no idea what time it is, but we're just going to pray. We'll pick up here next week. Lord Jesus, you saw hearts. You see right where people are this morning. You, they know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. They know that they have an assignment from you. They're not here on this earth by accident. They know that not only are they here, but they got a purpose to be here. They may not know what it is, but they know they've got one. And they want to be fulfilled. And they want to fulfill your promise, your purposes for having them here. There's mamas and daddies here this morning that want their children to know you, not just about you. There's grandparents here that want their grandchildren to know that their Mimi and Papa knows God and serves God because they understand there's days when their children and their grandchildren are going to feel like they're all by themselves and that the world doesn't love them and nobody cares for them and that they're by, the, and, that, and, and, and they talk bad about God and, and our country and, and everything that stands right. And they want their children to know, no, don't go down that path. God is real. God is real. And they want their children to know and can recollect and call to remembrance the fact that their parents and their grandparents walked with God. They talked with God. And God talked back to them. God revealed himself and proved himself in in their behalf. They prayed for each other. People got healed. And they'll remember it. And so, Lord, I just thank you right now that grandparents lay hold of their children and their children's children and say, Lord, I'm going to do all I can so that my children will know you. Know that you're real. You're not just some God in a book. You're a personal Savior. Personal. Personal. Lord, I thank you for strengthening these people here today. That they desire to seek you, to know your voice, to train themselves to hear your voice like my dog trained itself to know mine that we seek after your voice and not the voices of this world and all the things this world's standing for and what it's saying but we seek after your voice so that we can live we as just people can live by your word by you in jesus name i pronounce blessings upon every one of them Bless coming in, blessed going out. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.